for tuning in to the Open Door Ministry Breadcrumbs Podcast with me, your host, Barbara Smith. We are here to share our blog articles with you in an audio format. We know that people are very busy and constantly on the go, but we all still need daily inspiration in our lives. It is our goal to share a few thought-provoking morsels that will challenge you to stay actively engaged in the Word of God. His Word is the bread of life. The Good Old Days by Barbara Smith A friend of mine asked me a question today that spurred on a provoking conversation. She said, I think this generation is equipped to handle what is coming, don't you? My answer was, absolutely. People are much more resilient than they think. Yes, we all go through hardships of various kinds, but we usually learn valuable lessons from them and come out on the other side better than we were before. Keeping in mind we are unique and have different circumstances and are in varying cycles of life, yet we seem to conquer so much more than we thought we could and bounce back from adverse situations. We may all be in this together, this thing called life, with all that it's throwing at us, all at the same time, globally. However, we all view and respond to things differently. Therefore, if we all work together, we can produce solutions because we all have something to add that another may not have thought of. I also must admit, though it is painful to say, my kids were right, or at least the teacher who taught them this was right. I will paraphrase because I do not remember the exact quote. However, one of their teachers had stated that every generation has its greatness. This came from me saying so many times in frustration, and again, I do not remember the exact words, but things like, this generation has no social skills, no common sense, no work ethic, etc., And while this is true for various individuals and maybe for a portion of society, however, I was painting with an extremely broad brush. In fact, my children, who are brilliant, would then be lumped into the same category if I continued to push that rhetoric. They stopped me in my tracks one day when they told me what the teacher had said. It gave me pause and I stopped and I was rebuked in my spirit because she really was right. You can imagine the rolling of the eyes that goes on in our house with four daughters, all highly intelligent, strong-willed, and having minds of their own. You have probably heard the expression, the good old days, multiple times, and possibly used by yourselves a time or two in conversation. Most of the time we are referring to a time we did not even live in, therefore, How would we presume to know what had happened in the lives of people then, or their reactions to things, or the circumstances surrounding the events? Any knowledge we do have is from books or movies, perhaps, but not first-hand experience. 
If we do use this expression speaking of our personal experience, it is often looking back at a time that is now lost and is no longer relevant to the current events that are unfolding in our present day lives. If you stop to think about it, if your grandmother used that expression from her personal experience, it would still not be the same as yours. It could still be referring to something that was decades apart from your experiences. Sometimes we use it speaking of historical times, which could be centuries apart. Everyone's the good old days are different, just as everyone's present day life is different. We are not cookie cutters or clones. Let us think about a couple of things. On March the 9th, 1822, 200 years ago in New York, Charles Graham received his patent for the first artificial teeth. So if you were alive back then, and depending on your age at the time, you might have been toothless and never been a recipient of false teeth. However, your grandson or granddaughter, 40 years later, if needed, could have been the proud wearers of a beautiful set of dentures. However, you most likely would have been gone already. And if they did refer to your day as the good old days, what would have been good about it? You did not have teeth. Would they even have known that? As we evolve, we just take for granted that the things we have were always around in past generations. But that was far from the truth. We often romanticize certain errors that had many challenges of their own. Think of the epic story of Gone with the Wind. The setting is during the American Civil War around 1861 to 1865 in and around Atlanta, Georgia. It is such a provoking love story that involves the horrors and beauties of the human condition and is portrayed in such a beautiful and compelling way. The beautiful house, ladies' gowns, and men's activities of hunting and riding on the luscious green lawns of the estate that are captivating. However, notwithstanding the war, were those the good old days? Can you imagine the Georgia heat and the humidity in midsummer? Those beautiful ladies, all arrayed in their finest, melting and smelling like stale perfume to cover up their summertime body odors. Wow, you guessed it, no air conditioning. In fact, no electricity, which should not make its debut until years later. We take flipping on the light switch in our cool, crisp homes in August in 100 degree plus weather for granted. We just do not give it any thought. It is second nature to us, as well it should be, because this is what we have always known and are used to. How about those cowboy movie lovers? Tombstone is a popular movie that came out in 1993, the reenactment of the Earp Brothers from 1881 in Tombstone, Arizona. There have been makes and remakes and makes again of this epic story, and all well done, but they cannot change the history of the subjects. Just as removing statues of formidable historic figures from public areas cannot change history, I might add. Well, back to the story, we see the cowboys on their horses and again the women in their lovely gowns. 
though not the focal point of the story, do you know what happens to a long, beautiful gown on a dusty, dirt road covered in horse manure? I will let you draw your own conclusions there. No plumbing for the filthy cowboys to take baths in. They still relied on rivers, ponds, wells, and hauling buckets of water to a tub. Indoor plumbing would not fully be experienced until the 1930s, and even then, we can still look back to our grandparents' or great-grandparents' homes that may have had an outhouse. Those beautiful suits and ruffle-top shirts that we see in the movie were washed, yes, but by hand. Where are the beautifully paved sidewalks and streets? While there are accounts of stone roads that date back to 4000 BC in Mesopotamia, and Egypt also had stone paved streets in about 2200 BC, though the first asphalt road in America was said to be in 1870 in Newark, New Jersey, invented by Edmund J. Desmelt, a chemist from Belgium, Tombstone had not heard of this, it seems, at least not in the movies. They apparently forgot to Google it. Oh my, no internet. And that is definitely another subject altogether. But I'm sure you are beginning to see the point. Life is in constant flux, and we can see changes are happening around us daily. Granted, some may be good and some bad, however, what we perceive as bad may be seen differently by others. This is the wonder of the creation of the human being. We are all individuals. A valuable lesson I learned as a teenager, which was spoken in the context of dating at the time, and is not original with me, and again I could not name the source, was that we must establish our principles before crises situations arise. Programs and administrations of events may change, times may change, but our absolutes, our truths and principles should remain the same. We get this moral compass from the Word of God, which we know as the Holy Bible. We must know it, ingest it, love it, and hold it dear, as to not stray no matter what generation we are from or what era we are currently living in. A lot is said regarding generations in the scriptures. We will examine and see what God's take on the subject might be. In the beginning, Genesis 1.22 tells us, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let fowl multiply in the earth. He again gave this same command to Noah after the flood and to Abraham coming out of the land of Ur of the Chaldees. To Noah he also gave the token of his covenant, the rainbow, showing how he had promised the whole world would never flood again in Genesis 9 verse 12 and stated it would be a perpetual promise for generations. I am sure many of you reading already have an idea of what the rainbow means or at least a portion of it and that took place thousands of years ago the covenant made with abraham that god would make him fruitful and make him a great nation kings would come from his loins god would be with him and bless him and that they would inhabit the land of canaan 
were all to be everlasting possessions and an ongoing promise to all generations. This we can see in Genesis 17. In Joel 3 verse 20 it says, But Judah shall dwell forever, and Jerusalem from generation to generation. We have all heard of Jerusalem. Go back further in the story, and you will be back to the covenant between God and Abraham, and it is still standing. This is pretty profound, considering the thousands of years that have passed. There are numerous covenants, promises, and pronouncements that God stated would be for generations. Another one is regarding his name. We see that in Exodus 3, 13 through 15, it tells us, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Psalms 45 verse 17 says, I will make my name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. And Psalms 135 13 states, Thy name, O Lord, endures forever, and thy memorial, O Lord, throughout all generations. When we study the Word, we see throughout, not only in the Old Testament, but the New as well, that His name is still the authority behind all we do as Christians. Jesus was the I Am in bodily form. Colossians 2 verse 9 tells us, He told us we would do greater things than He had done while He was on the earth in His name. We would cast out demons, raise the dead, heal the sick, feel His presence, speak with new tongues, and baptize, all in His name. And this is generations later. There is a holiday we celebrate every year. Statistically, if there are those who are not faithful churchgoers, they will at least go on this day, and that is Easter. Most of us would at least know something of what Easter is about, and it is not eggs, bunnies, or peep candies. It is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. After all, if he had not risen, we would be serving a dead God, like those who worship Muhammad or Buddha or any other idol. Why was this the time that was chosen by God to show that Jesus was God come in flesh? It all goes back to the time when the children of Israel were in captivity in Egypt. Moses, as we mentioned before, came to lead them out of captivity as commanded by God. I'm just giving the highlights here, but you can read the full story in the book of Exodus. After nine plagues did not work on Pharaoh to allow the people to go into the wilderness to worship their true God, the tenth plague sealed the deal. 
God's people were told to kill a spotless lamb, take the blood, and paint it on their doorpost, cook the meat, and eat it all that night. During the night, those that had the blood on their doorposts, which would have been the Israelites, would be passed over by the death angel. But those who did not, which would have been mainly the Egyptians, their firstborn would be slain. Of course, in the morning when the Egyptians saw their children dead, they told the Israelites to go. In Exodus 12, verse 13 through 14, God told Moses, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. From that day forward, they held a feast and ate unleavened bread for days, and so on and so forth, commemorating the fact that God had brought them out of Egypt. They called this the Passover. Jesus as a child, and then into his adulthood, went yearly to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of the Passover. The year of his crucifixion was no different, and was not a coincidence. We often call it the Last Supper, but it was the time of the yearly Passover feast. However, this year, Jesus became the Passover lamb. His blood was shed for our deliverance, not from Egypt, but from sin. We are washed in his blood when we are baptized in his name. John the Baptist recognized this at the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he stated in John 1 verse 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. First Peter 1 verse 18 and 19 says, For as much as ye know that ye are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We are still celebrating the Passover, just as God had meant it to be from generation to generation. We just call it Easter. In correlation with this, another generational sacrifice they were told to keep yearly was killing a lamb as an atonement for sin. Jesus fulfilled this requirement on the cross as well, once and for all. Their sacrifice was only efficacious to roll their sins ahead for a year. But at the cross, all those sins were covered by the blood of the true atoning lamb, as are our sins today. Hebrews 10, verse 3 through 10 states this, But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sin every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but the body hast thou prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifices and offering, and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou wouldest not, 
neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said I, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he might establish the second, by the which will we are sacrificed through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins for ever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. From the time of Adam's sin, which was passed down from generation to generation, God's plan had been to buy us back. This had to be done with a pure blood sacrifice, and Jesus fulfilled those requirements that we might be free, not only us, but our children and their children in every generation. Acts 2 verse 38 through 39 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. People are enamored with biblical times. However, would we have wanted to witness the cross firsthand or experience it firsthand on this side? I say we still have the benefits of what they had without the heartaches of it. Of course, we all go through our own troubles and trials. What is your consensus? Were those the good old days or these? In Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9, Solomon states, The things that have been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Everything we are experiencing is no different than any other generation, just presented in a different packaging. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 states, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Even Jesus, as he walked on the earth, experienced the exact same things we do. Hebrews 4.15 tells us, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. The older generation must teach the young ones and pass down experiences memories, and knowledge to equip them for what is to come their way in their generation. Joel 1 verses 1 through 3 says, The word of the Lord that come to Joel, the son of Pethuel, Hear this, ye old men, and give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell ye your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. Just as I should not have discouraged or spoken ill of the new generation, in turn, this generation should not think that their forefathers were all ignorant. 
that they all did not do things right or they were all dumb because they did things differently. Deuteronomy 32, 6 through 8 states, Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath brought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee, thy elders, and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. We are all in this thing called life together, no matter what error we are born in. We are all where we are because of someone else from the prior generation. We should learn from them. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 4 states, One generation passes, and another generation cometh, but the earth abides forever. The world will keep on turning, and things will keep on changing and evolving until Jesus returns. What would you be willing to give up to go back to another time and place to get what you think might be the good old days, to get what you think might be there? Would you give up your electricity, your comforts of home like air conditioning and indoor plumbing? You have heard people say, if I could only be 18 again, I would have all this, that, or the other, or I wouldn't have fat, wrinkles, or responsibility. You can add into this sentence what you think or have heard. However, if you go back in time to what you thought was the good old days, you will not have the experiences, knowledge, skills, possessions, or memories that you have now. So you need to ask yourself, when were the good old days really? I would have to propose to you that the good old days are right now today. Remember, your today will become your yesterday, and your tomorrow will become your today. So enjoy it while you can, and make the best of each day that you are given. Each generation will have its greatness. Thanks for joining us today. We trust you have been nourished and blessed. Always remember the Lord is faithful and His mercies are new every morning. Until next time, God bless.